looking at our customer base, I see careers on demand. Lots of career companies these days, due to seasonality, due to business uncertainties, are using mostly careers on demand. They have a small core workforce, I'll say not more than 20% of the total workforce that's on regular payroll, their employees. Everyone else is on demand. Welcome to the Payroll Podcast, the show that explores the latest insights and innovations in the world of payroll. I'm Nick Day, founder of JGA Recruitment, a specialist global payroll search firm. I'm also a qualified executive coach and a recognized Reward 300 member. And my goal for this show is clear, is to bring you expert guests and payroll leaders who are driving this industry forward. From cutting edge technologies and trends to compliance, analytics, automation, leadership strategies, and more, we're going to cover it all on this show to help you to deliver accurate and timely payrolls across your organizations. So let's join together in raising the strategic profile of payroll worldwide. Grab your coffee or your favorite beverage, and let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Payroll Podcast. My name is Nick Day. I'm CEO at JGA Recruitment Group, and we are global payroll recruiters. Now, remember, if you do enjoy this show, please do share it with all of your payroll colleagues and friends. Together, we really want to raise the profile of payroll globally. And if you get a spare moment, I would be hugely appreciative if you could also review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Now, today, we're going to be talking all about payroll on demand and in particular, the rise of the gig economy and how that may be impacting the world of global payroll. To do that, we are joined today by Lilia Stoyanov, who is CEO and angel investor at Transformify, a fintech and digital transformation expert. She's also a professor at the Ziggurat Business School. In fact, she's a fintech expert, professor and expert evaluator for Horizon 2020 at the European Commission as well. And as CEO at Transformify, Lily's business at the moment manages on-demand global payroll to international contractors and freelancers from a single platform. That includes taking care of tax compliance, cross-border payments, transfers and reconciliations and more. And why is that important? Well, because we are seeing a huge rise in the gig economy. In fact, gig and gig work and freelance work has grown steadily in popularity, particularly since the pandemic. And over the past decade, according to Upwork's Freelance Forward 2022 report, 60 million Americans, or 39% of the total American workforce, did freelance work in 2022, contributing to 1.35 trillion to the country's economy. That's an increase of 50 billion compared to 2021. So it is a hot topic and something we need to be discussing in the world of payroll because part-time and freelance work and gig work can definitely lead to some complexity when it comes to paying workers. So we're going to be unpicking what those complexities are during today's show. And leads me to say welcome to Lilia Stoyanov to the Payroll Podcast. How are you feeling today? Very well, and many thanks for having me. I'm so excited about it. I'm super excited to have you here. I know you've done many podcast shows before, which makes me much more oh, excited, actually, to have a podcast pro on the show today. Before we jump into the world of the gig economy, though, Lilia, can I just ask, what does the word payroll mean to you? I'll say, happy people. You may decide <laughs> to stick to 
the negatives, the complexities when it comes to calculating payroll, ever-changing legislation, clerks that are running around, burning, it's not ready, we need to pay. But I prefer to stick to the other side. The happy people receiving their paycheck, imagining what they could do for their families, for their friends, planning their time out. That's what I associate payroll with. It's security, it's happiness, it's peace of mind. Fantastic. Well, I love a bit of positivity on the show, a little bit of positive psychology associated with the world of payroll. Absolutely right. Let's look at it in a positive spin on, on, on the word because it is a positive profession. There's a lot of lot to navigate in the world of payroll and the payroll people, certainly the community that we've come to know and love is a fantastic community and they do great work, but it is challenging. And the gig economy is throwing up some new challenges and areas of complexity that we do need to consider in order to ensure that we're always running an accurate and compliant process. So what is the future of the gig economy? I wonder if you could bring some statistics or some um, information to our listeners to give them a bit of a sense of what the gig economy is and, and why it's growing so much and, and why it's important to consider. If I say that the future of the gig economy is bright, that would be an understatement. The truth is so many people, especially during COVID, post-COVID, realize that there is no job security anymore. You could be laid off tomorrow. And it happens because the business is currently facing challenges. Their markets are shrinking. It's not because they really want to lay off people. They have to. They have to to preserve the business. So the only way for you as an individual to have secure streams of income, to make sure that your family, your loved ones are always on the safe side, you don't struggle to pay rent. You don't struggle to pay school tuition and the list goes on. You need to have multiple sources of income. Those figures you stated at the beginning of the show are just the tip of the iceberg because it's just the US. We have the rest of the world and it's a trend across the globe. Most people do gigs that's what we call them. These are small tasks, small projects as a side hustle to secure a separate income stream to make sure, okay, tomorrow I get laid off. Okay, but I still have that separate income stream that can keep me running until either I find more customers or I find another job. But in all cases, the baseline, those expenses that cannot be skipped, they're covered. So that's why it will continue to grow. It's also the shift in mindset of people. They want to have a choice. They want to do what they love. And if they want to do what they love, it's not necessarily part of their job description. We have all seen it. Sometimes you even sign a job description to realize down the line that it changes. And those changes are not necessarily what you would love it to be. But you have to take it. Or leave it <laughs> and usually you take it because changing your job so often is not necessarily the best decision or the easiest one but the gig economy is definitely addressing all those points that's why it's growing so rapidly and that's why so many people want to run businesses of their own they might be self-employed and the majority of them are self-employed, but they secure several customers to make sure that if one of their customers goes bankrupt 
or one of their customers finishes a project, they have enough other customers until they have a new pipeline there. Yeah, well, you've, you've put that really well. And it's, it's interesting because many people, even listening to this, will probably have some kind of side hustle without even considering it to be gig-related work. You know, whether they may work in payroll, for example, but on the side might be selling art or doing things they do as their hobby and creating, you know, having an eBay shop or other little things. So we've been doing that for years. But the nature of work has, of course, changed. People have got more choice now post-pandemic. And actually, people are now choosing not to take permanent employment in favor of multiple employments or multiple gigs, as you put it. So what's the impact then for, for people making those choices on the world of payroll, from the payroll perspective? What are the things we need to consider? First of all, in many countries, you need to consider the proper classification of contractor self-employed people versus employees. Not every country has clear legislation that's another point, another risk for the payroll specialists, but also for the businesses. It's usually the businesses that get fined eventually. What comes there is, first of all, the differentiation between the employee and who's an employee. I'm sure you have heard of the lawsuits in the US. It's not just in the US, but I guess the biggest noise is there around Uber, Lyft, and the like. Yes. The big question is, imagine you're an Uber driver. And there is one test called AB5 in the US that is used to properly classify contractors versus employees. So you are an Uber driver or a Lyft driver, or doesn't matter which brand is currently running that particular business. It's one and the same business model. You will be using your own vehicle, which satisfy one of the criteria for you to be classified as independent contractor. It's not provided by Uber, Lyft or whoever else, it's yours. But then if you are providing services only via the platform of Uber or Lyft, you don't have any other sources of income. You are completely dependent. On top of that, you are not the one who specifies the pay right. There is an official pay right. You know, we all use Uber, Lyft, Bolt daily. You have that pay right in the app, and there is an algorithm that is applying the pay right. Use a driver, usually, not in all cases, but I would say in 90% plus of the cases, you have absolutely no say on your pay right. right. Then the big question is, are you a business owner? You are selling your service, but you cannot put the price tag there. So that's why when you look at the criteria, if you don't manage to satisfy all the criteria, especially the very first one, if you have just one source of income, just one customer, then it's very likely that you will be classified as an employee and then it's a totally different rule that shall be applied to your payroll calculation. And that's the struggle in those countries where there are such rules. That's the struggle for everyone involved because it's not so clear. There is no clear cut. There is a lot in the gray zone. 
imagine you are driving both for Uber and Lyft. Many drivers have two separate phones. One has an app and that's Uber. Another one has another app that's Lyft. And eventually, we don't need to classify them. They have more than one customer. They sure. provide their services to more than one. So this one is satisfied. But they can't put their price tag. Doesn't matter if they're working through both Uber, whatever. So it's very complicated. That's why we see those very lengthy wall suites. I don't believe that they will be over soon due to those complexities there, the gray zone, and the way you are treating one and the same text in the legislation. It really depends on the way you read it, the way you apply it. Uh, that's why there are expensive lawyers out there. But for us, as payroll professionals, as people that provide payroll on demand software, in my case, we really need to make sure that whatever is in the gray zone is very clearly discussed and outlined to everyone. And you have your business customers well informed so they can make decisions and they can estimate the risk on their end. That's our role. That's a really clear, uh, well, I say clear, confusing in the, in the nature of the situation, but a clear example, which you've articulated very well there to help us understand some of the complexities associated with it. I think it also has highlighted that actually on-demand gig-based work has a huge degree of flexibility around it. And that's something that gig workers want to leverage, right? The ability to be flexible, to work for Uber one minute and to work for Lyft or Vault the next, which is which is one of those examples. Uh, whereas if you're fully employed, it may be in your contract that you can't moonlight and work for competitor at exactly the same time. So there's you know that's a really good uh, example as well of where that flexibility exists. However, there are obviously some unique challenges related to processing payroll for on-demand workers. So can you shed some light on what they might be? There are many. And given that Transformify operates across the globe currently in more than 184 countries, first of all, you need to be aware of the fact that all these people are not necessarily aware of the legislation. They're individuals. They are not well-educated, not all of them. Mm -hmm. Even if they have some basic knowledge of taxation, invoicing, etc., still they may not adhere to all rules that are out there. So in that case, automation and having a system that is issuing invoices on their behalf to make sure that everything is in line with the legislation helps with everyone involved. I'll give you this time a different example. We have lots of translation agencies across the globe. And they have, depending on the size of the agency, but sometimes as many as 20,000 translators, videographers, editors, you name them. Wow. They're on demand. When there is a new project for them, they're called. So first of all, you need to be able to find easily the right person. This time, you need someone who could translate pharmaceutical product description from Japanese to Thai or, let's say, to any other language. If it is Japanese to English, probably you have many. But if it is to another more niche language, you need to be able to filter out those 20,000 people. 
Find out who delivered good quality work before. Check the availability. Check if they could deliver particularly that project because even if they have written product descriptions in the past, they may say, okay, but this is not necessarily our expertise. We don't feel comfortable doing that. So that's your first step to find the right person, communicate with the right person, assign them to a project. But at that point in time, if again, you don't satisfy the criteria, again, those translators may end up being classified as your employees. So that's why it's called agent of record. This type of businesses exist to mitigate the risk for everyone involved. There is someone who specifies clearly, these are the risks. After an assessment, we can say, we'll put this particular translator on our payroll on demand. So they have an agreement with Transformify. We have run the assessment. We believe that this is something that could be defunded in case that there is a third party audit asking how this person was classified, what the grounds are there. And eventually after that, all invoices, payments are fully automated. We don't expect translators to know how to issue tax compliant invoices. They're automatically issued on their behalf. We don't expect a big business, a big translation agency to be chasing for 20,000 invoices on a monthly basis, collecting them, reconciling payments to 20,000 invoices. It's not necessary. Absolutely not necessary. Yeah. Physically, you can imagine what the hazard would be if this needed to be done the old-fashioned way. So Receiving all invoices through portals, through whatever. So it's fully, fully automated. And that's why Transformify grew up exponentially during the last few years. So tell me a little bit about that, because, you know, you as a seasoned entrepreneur and, and a fintech expert, what was the, the driver that led you to forming Transformify and, and what was the opportunity that you, you identified and, and tell me a little bit about that journey and, and obviously the, the growth journey you've experienced since identifying the opportunity. As a fintech expert, I know quite well that one of the biggest challenges for every fintech company is to acquire customers and to ensure that they stay well. All the time you have new and new payment apps emerging. You have Revolut, you have Monzo in the UK, then you have PayPal, which is one of the pioneers, and so on and so forth. Each of them offers more or less the same service. It offers you a card, it may offer you a wallet, and you can receive and transfer payments. How do you differentiate all these from one another if you are to start the next FinTech app? How do you ensure these people will stay with you? Because tomorrow there will be someone else who will offer the same service at no fees involved at all. That's the strategy of companies like Revolut, for example. They are the so-called challenger banks. At the beginning, they offer their services at no cost or very, very low cost to enter the market, to acquire customer base, and after that, they slowly start increasing their costs. But if you're already an existing player, then you lose your customer base, and it's very expensive to acquire. So my idea was, okay, 
what do we need to do to change it, to make these people come to us instead of us paying to acquire them and to make them stay with us? We need to give them a reason to use our service other than pure billing and payments. This exists. There are many. And I was looking at it until the answer found me. I did not find the answer. It striked me. At the time, I was leading a transformation project. And transformation usually involves laying of people. You are automating the processes. Inevitably, some people are left behind. Sure. And then my idea was, okay, if these people are now to work as independent consultants, they were super well-educated, highly paid. Then we have the answer. They need that solution in order to have that security. They will get paid for their projects. Nobody expects them to track invoicing, etc. Everything is in the same portal. They have accounts that are data privacy, GDPR compliant, and so on and so forth. So eventually, I had the answer. And that's how we started. Initially, it started as a solution for highly skilled consultants, very, very niche. We validated it as a business model. The next one was, and I'm talking about 2015 and 16. Remote work was not a thing back then. Mm -hmm. It was very exotic, just for digital nodes. Very hard to sell this as a concept. You have a highly skilled consultant, no work for that consultant in Europe, but highly demanded in Japan and South Korea. It's much cheaper, more efficient if the consultants stay in the UK, France, wherever they are, instead of flying them over to Japan and Korea. But it was hard to persuade the businesses back then that they can control this, that the quality of work would be the same. So I would say the first few years till the end of 2018 were a nightmare to establish a new business model to persuade everyone involved that it works for them. It cuts costs. It's much more efficient. And then eventually in 2019, COVID hit and everyone started talking about remote work. And this was our golden hour. This was the moment when it became super easy to sell, to explain what it is, why it is there. Plus, it gives you an opportunity to take care of disadvantaged people. If they can't travel to an office, if they have special needs, and working from home is their only option to be part of the workforce, well, we can take care of that. So that's how it started. And I would say naturally it evolves. We just listen to our customers from time to time. They come and say, we need API integration. Do you have an open API? We can deliver. We need HRMS. No problem. It's on top of payroll, but it is 360. You close the loop if you put on top of payroll on demand human resources management. That's how it evolves. If you listen to your customers, your business grows. Have you ever asked yourself, how can I recruit payroll staff effectively? Please don't give up on your recruitment project just yet. 
Here at JGA Payroll Recruitment, we appreciate the difficulties associated with attracting, recruiting and retaining top payroll talent. We also understand just how costly a poor payroll hire can be. JGA Recruitment are a niche payroll recruitment agency who will partner with you to resource payroll candidates who will improve both the accuracy and efficiency of your payroll department. Contact us today on 01727 800 377 or visit jgarecruitment.com to find out more. Very good. What a great story. Well done you for spotting the opportunity and, and following the the, the, the curves and, and, and ups and downs of the market and the changes to navigate it to such a successful enterprise. It's very, um, it's very inspiring and very impressive. So for those listening now, Ben, and maybe they're working in these industries and maybe they don't even have the awareness yet to understand that they might be in an industry that could be most impacted or could most benefit from the rise of the gig economy. So from your perspective, what are the industries which are benefiting most from these changes? Looking at our customer base, I see careers on demand. Lots of career companies these days, due to seasonality, due to business uncertainties, are using mostly careers on demand. They have a small core workforce, I'll say not more than 20% of the total workforce that's on regular payroll, their employees. Everyone else is on demand. And because they're on demand, they usually work for more than one career company. It's even a story like Uber, Bolt, and Lyft. They work with as many career companies are there. And usually the career companies need a way to schedule their assignments, then to transfer payment to them to automate billing. So that's one such industry. Then it's translation marketing agencies. They work predominantly on a project basis. And every project requires a different skill set. Then you need to have a very big pool of people with different skill sets in order to be able to deliver quickly to the customer that is asking for something else, not what you have delivered to a different customer. Same with software development agencies. If you have a customer that requires Java development and tomorrow there is another one that requires Python, these are not the same people that are experts in both. You need different people for that. Again, they have a core team and they have the majority of the rest on demand. Other such industries due to either seasonality or the nature of their business are also online gaming companies. They work with many, many affiliates and they need to compliantly manage the entire relationship with them, including billing payments, everything compliance related. Then we have agriculture due to seasonality. These are not people on payroll. They're needed when apples are ripe. It doesn't happen all the time. It's once per year. Same with strawberries and so on and so forth. Yeah. yeah. Same with promoters, people that are promoting at events. Events management is another such industry. Imagine the big conferences and festivals, Burning Man in the US. You have thousands of people needed to set it up, thousands of people to clean up the space, and you don't keep them on payroll. You need them for two to three months per year. 
So it's the like Christmas tree happened. harvesting, which is coming up soon. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe come to mind when you talk about strawberry picking. It's, oh, there are going to be all those people now cutting down the Christmas trees for a few weeks a year just to try and get rid of them. I think the other thing that's interesting here is it's, and obviously it's interesting for me as a recruiter, because it's opened up the global workforce as well. So you mentioned software development, using a platform like Transformify, of course, if you need someone, you it opens up the ability to recruit across borders. You can find the person with the specialist talent anywhere in the world rather than someone within your postcode, which is how it used to be historically. If they don't li live within your zip code or your postcode, you know, you're gonna struggle to find someone. Whereas now you can find someone, as you mentioned earlier, you know, someone in the UK can now contract on a, in a gig basis with a company in Japan. And it's it's relatively straightforward if you're using your platform to stay compliant. Um, but what does the what does that regulatory landscape look like? What are the what are some of the risks for people that may not understand um the risks associated with, for example, misclassifying an employee as an independent contractor? The risk is to be fined by those authorities in that particular country. If those authorities find out that this person is likely to be classified as an employee. I say likely as there is a gray zone and it's a matter of convincing the authorities that you have done it right, you follow their guidance. But it is really, really something you need to consider prior to going cross borders. Lots of companies, we are all remote as of day one across yeah. many, many countries. As a company, if it is the very first time you consider going remote, hiring remotely in another country, you found a person who perfectly matches your requirements, being it a very rare skill set or being it a person who has the network if we talk about sales teams, then you need to check in that particular country, what are the rules for this person to be properly classified. Secondly, what are the preferences of that person? Quite often, if it is explained to people what are the benefits to be registered to self-employed or to provide services via legal entity of their own, they have lots of benefits. There are many expenses that are recognized for tax purposes. Their tax base becomes lower so eventually they take more money home. That's the aftermath. So if it is explained well to them, they might be really keen on taking that route, establishing the legal entity or registering a self-employed people. But in other cases, there might be a person who would prefer to be put on payroll as an employee. Usually it's women that are planning a pregnancy and they want to be paid during motherhood or there are people who already have some condition and they are more often on a sick leave than others so they want to benefit from that, etc. All this needs to be considered, not only to mitigate risks but to have satisfaction to the maximum possible level. You want these people to be motivated. You want them to stay with you in the long term. If that's the strategy, of course, we see that lots of people are shifting careers every two to three years. You yeah. recruit yourself, probably you have access to more stats than I do regarding no, 
significantly shifting. It seems very similar, two to three years for sure. I mean, the, the, the stats that we have in the, in relation to obviously the data we take is specific to the payroll profession, uh, but the average tenure of a payroll professional in the UK is two point seven years. So you're right, you know, it's it's exact. Well, that's based on the last statistical analysis that we did on our own our own network and databases with about 24,000 people that we've got access to here. So that was yeah, about 2.7 years is, is the analysis that we came back with, which is right, right in line with what you mentioned. And now compare that number to what it used to be 15 years ago. Mm. Because 15 years ago, based on lots of stats across the globe, it happens that most people would be staying with the job for five to seven years. Sure. It's almost half now. So, considering all this, the legislation, the preferences, you have two possible avenues. One is having these people as self-employed independent contractors. And this needs to be clearly explained to the people. They need to understand what the difference is. That's one. And to agree to that. Secondly, if this is not the case, then they need to be put on payroll. And in this case, it's employer of record. One is agent of record. They are put on payroll on demand because they're self-employed. The second one is employer of record, which is a regular payroll, but in a foreign country. And there are lots of companies that are offering this service across many countries. Yeah. Employer of record or umbrella companies are not anything new. They have been around for at least 30 years. And usually they partner with each other. It's too expensive to have legal entity, own legal entity in each and every country. We offer both services, both agent of record and employer of record. But the consideration to business owners is usually, okay, do I have enough scale to set up a legal entity, let's say in Nigeria? There is a very high demand for Kenya in Nigeria these days. Probably it would sound curious to lots of people in the UK, but it's the UK education system there. Everyone speaks perfect English, and that's why they're on demand. They're highly skilled. Plenty of them, it's very young population versus the UK, which is the opposite. But before you decide that you own a legal entity, let's say in Kenya, to put people on payroll there, you need to make sure that the math works. You need at least to be at break even to be able to cover all expenses that are related yes. to running that legal entity. Otherwise, you simply have a partner locally in Kenya and you share revenues with that partner in Kenya until you reach the scale. So the majority of those companies that are offering EOR services have a mix of legal entities they own because they already have a scale, they have a demand in that particular country or countries, and the rest is served through their network. Yeah, that's really helpful. I've got some personal experience as an entrepreneur myself with Employer Record because we've launched in the US and we used an EOR solution to get us up and running much quicker than we would by setting up everyone on our own books. And as you, as you rightly say, when we get to a certain level of growth, we can then transition. But employer record has been very, very useful and something that I've 
I've discovered during my journey and in, in launching our services well for here at JJ Recruitment has been really interesting. So I did notice on your um, website, um, Leo, as well, that you also transfer payouts in over 20 different cryptocurrencies. Now, this is something that has been a topic of conversation in the world of payroll because we all, you know, the historical way of paying people has always been in the in the, in the fiat currency of, of, of that country predominantly, but actually employers, uh, employees rather, have changed the way sometimes they like to be paid. They they have more power now to choose the frequency, the type of currency, and all these different things. Tell us a little bit more about the the services you provide in the cryptocurrency thing. Is, is, is are you seeing that impact the world of payroll as well? What I see these days is that there is one population of people that is interested in receiving payments in cryptocurrency and treating those payments as an investment. They're not planning to spend the crypto they receive. Usually they're asking, okay, I want to receive part of the payment on this project in crypto and the other part in fiat. The crypto is kept. There's the so-called holders. They hold their crypto as an investment and hoping that eventually that investment will grow. Of course, it can go either way. We see sure. the volatility of crypto. But if you're planning to definitely sell and buy at the right time, then it's a good option. What needs to be always taken into account is that in many countries, if this is a regular employee, the legislation in many countries does not allow you to pay employees in any currency other than the fiat currency that's official in that country. So if we take the UK as an example, this would be only GBP and nothing else. It's not every country luckily, but in many countries we still see that rule. And the crypto payments are normally payments that are available for independent contractors, service providers. There are no limitations applying to them. They can opt for any of the cryptocurrencies we are currently supporting, get paid or split payment into fiat and crypto if that's their preference, etc. For regular employees, I would say the majority are still tied up to being paid in the fiat currency mm. of that particular country apart from some countries that are very open-minded. It's interesting because it, it links to how workers' preferences are changing. And, you know, as you say, 15 years ago, this wouldn't have been on anyone's radar that you would be paid in a in cryptocurrency. It wasn't even anyone's radar five years ago, really. And now we're seeing these things start to proliferate the payroll sector and the way that employees like to be paid and their preferences. And we've seen workers' preferences change a lot, particularly post-pandemic. Um, what do you think are some of the other factors that are driving that change? I'd say first and foremost, people want to make more money and be paid more. And seeing crypto growing up or coming down rings a bell. Okay, if I get paid in crypto and I hold it, I don't sell it when it reaches the bottom. Of course, these are educated people. They understand trends. They understand how crypto sure. works. It's not for everyone. You need to know how to deal with crypto. But if you do know, then there is an opportunity for you to treat it as an investment. That's why the preferences are changing. 
There is another preference we see, and these are the wallets in various currencies. We have a global partnership with Pioneer when it comes to digital wallets and cards linked to wallets. But here the idea is, you're in Brazil and the local currency is super volatile. You need Brazilian real to pay your rent to buy food, no doubt, you do need it. But do you want to keep everything in Brazilian real? The answer is no. So you get paid by a customer in the UK. The customer in the UK would prefer to pay in GBP. Otherwise, there is FX fee that would be involved. Sure. You have that wallet in multiple currencies. In your wallet, you have GBP, you have USD, you have also Brazilian real. You receive a payment in GBP. You keep the majority in GBP to hedge against the volatility of the Brazilian real. You exchange only that portion needed to pay your daily expenses. So that's another trend. And that trend is seen regardless of the status of the person. You don't need to have in-depth knowledge to understand that if you keep some part of your payment in a foreign currency that's not as volatile as your home currency, you win. So we see people going down to janitors, to people who have primary education only, understanding the fact that they could benefit keeping money in various currencies. So the majority of the people using Transformify already clearly understand what the benefits are. Of course, there is lots of information available for them to make an informed decision, but we see the preferences changing. It's not like before you get paid in local currency only and you accept it without asking questions. Now everyone is asking questions. Do I have other options? And that's what it's all about, isn't it? That's, that's the thing we've seen in, in relation to the Great Resignation is employees realise they have more options available to them now. And if employers don't provide those options, then they can go somewhere else that will. And we've seen that as people have left employment to find a better working balance, whatever that might be in terms of the way they get paid or the, what, the hours they work or the location they work and various other factors as well. There's more choice now than ever. And we need to make sure we continue to give those choices if we want to retain the best talent or attract the best talent, but in which way you want to look at it. Um, last question before we open um, the vault, um, Lilia. Is there anything else you'd like to add in terms of uh, how the gig economy is changing or indeed perhaps bringing the, the, the services that Transformify offer to the gig economy that that our listeners may, may want to know a little bit about that perhaps we haven't covered yet? What I see is first a shift from small gigs. In the past, it was Fiverr, it was Upwork, that was offering a marketplace for the freelance yeah. economy. But as the name suggests, Fiverr was five USD per gig. And then you have small gigs like video editing, writing, copywriting a blog. Now what's changing is, first of all, depending on the legislation in the country of residence of the contractor or freelancer, then you may have that person delivering services to the very same customer somewhere else in the globe for two to three years. Provided, of course, that they satisfy the criteria to be classified as contractors. But 
it's a shift from very short term, very low paid gigs to much bigger projects that span across two to three years sometimes, which mm -hmm. provides different way of managing the relationship between the parties. And on top of that, you have more and more flexibility that's demanded by both the businesses and the freelancers. They want the flexibility to shift projects. They want the flexibility to deliver work on their schedule. Of course, corresponding to the schedule of the customer, there is no way not to do that. But flexibility is also key. Yeah, no, I'm really, really glad I asked the question. That's a really good point to make. Well, listen, we're going to open the um, the payroll vault, so three short, sharp questions for you. Um, and I'd be interested to get your insights here, Lilia, because you come from a slightly different space, you know, not, a, not, not, not as a payroll administrator through those realms, but actually as an investor and as an entrepreneur that spotted an opportunity in the world of payroll. I'd be intrigued to see what we have to say. So uh, what's one piece of advice you would give to someone working in payroll right now? Automate your work to the maximum that's possible. That will allow you to stay on top of the trends. That will leave enough space for you to read, to educate yourself. Otherwise, repetitive tasks, something that could have been automated, but it's still on Excel, are really ripping you off from many benefits related to your personal development, your career development, your future as such because you won't be able to spot what's the next big thing and to get prepared for it if you don't read if you don't get educated if you don't communicate with others yeah it's great advice something i've been banging the drum for as well by the way i'm in full agreement so um absolutely great advice uh, if you had the power of foresight and you could change the entire global payroll industry with one action or one improvement what would that action or improvement be you know that there are international financial reporting standards. If there are international payroll standards, this would help payroll specialists across the globe. There are so many differences across countries. It makes it so hard for a payroll expert, especially if it is a New York company and it has subsidiaries across Europe, plus mm. let's say Asia, and every country has unique rules of its own. If this gets harmonized, this is the biggest impact on the industry. And if I had the power, I'll do that. Yeah, well, great answer. Love that. Love that. Fantastic. And last one, just a little bit of fun, really. But you're, um, you've been immersed in the world of global payments and global payroll. So uh, particularly in relation to the gig economy, uh, if payroll was a song or a movie, what song or movie would it be and why? I would say, if it was a song, it would be It's a Wonderful Day. Hey. It's a wonderful day when everyone receives the paycheck, they're smiling and they're happy. If it is a movie, there is one movie with George Clooney called Up in the Air. As a recruiter, yeah. you <laughs> probably have seen it more than once. Uh, but yeah. that movie, again, is telling you a story about the human side. We have technology, we have AI. AI is everywhere and on a different topic, there is regulation coming in place to make sure that it's not misused. 
but uh, you have the human side and that's what up in the air is all about you deal with people you need to stay human yeah love that brilliant fantastic and i think that will hopefully align some concerns because this is coming from a fintech expert someone that's fully immersed in the world of fintech and there is a nervousness in the apparel industry that the AI is going to replace or, 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 you know, remove a number of payroll or the human side of payroll, which is, of course is so important. So I think having that reassurance from someone like yourself, Lilia, is absolutely significant and very worthy and very glad that it's a, a great way to finish the show today. So thank you ever so much for joining me on the payroll podcast. If people want to find out more, um, of course, I will put a link to Transformify in the uh, show notes. You can go to trans um, transformify.org is the website. Um, I'll also put a link in there as well for those who want to find out a little bit more about uh, Lilia Stoyanov's background. And there's a great um, link at entrepreneur.com. So I'll include that in the show notes as well. Is there anywhere else I can direct uh, people to if they want to find out more that I haven't mentioned, um, Lilia? I'll be more than happy to communicate with everyone. Please connect with me on LinkedIn. Send me a message. The moment I have a second free, I'll respond back to you. Fantastic. In that case, I will also include a link to your LinkedIn profile for those that wish to connect. And of course, if you're a payroll leader, a global payroll leader listening to this show and you need support with talent, with attraction, with, with recruiting top talent within the payroll space, then please do reach out to either myself, my contact details are in the show notes, or any of my team where you can also find us at jgarecruitment.com uh, in the UK or jgarecruitmentinc.com if you're in the US. And I'll put both those links in the show notes as well. Just leaves me to say one more huge thank you to Lydia Stoyanoff for joining me today to talk about the rise of the gig economy, its impact on global payroll. Uh, it's been a fantastic conversation. I've really enjoyed learning about your insights. Uh, and thank you ever so much for joining me on the Payroll Podcast. Lydia, thank you. Many thanks, Nick. I really enjoyed it. It was a fantastic conversation. My pleasure. That's all for this episode of the Payroll Podcast. I hope you enjoyed our discussion today and gained valuable insights and inspiration to advance your payroll career or your payroll operation. If you haven't already, please, please do subscribe to the show so you never miss a future episode. And if you found this podcast helpful, please take a moment to leave us a little review on your preferred podcast platform. It's your feedback that really helps me to improve the show and, of course, attract new listeners so we can continue to raise the profile of the payroll industry for all. Finally, if you know anyone who could benefit from this payroll podcast, please do share it with them. Let's spread the word and build a vibrant community of payroll professionals worldwide. Thank you, of course, for listening. My name is Nick Day. Please do look me up on LinkedIn and send me a connection request. In the meantime, I look forward to being with you again on the next episode of the Payroll Podcast real soon.